Hello, hello, hello. Welcome everyone to Musings with Mona. I am your star and your host, Mona Monet. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. I know it's been a minute. And also, I was like, the podcast is coming. Musings with Mona's coming. Nah, nah, nah. Girl, life throws you like curveballs in ways you can't even really anticipate. And so, I had to kind of push back the relaunch or, you know, the relaunch of Music with Mona in many ways. Um, I thought the summer was going to be a summer of just like podcasting and making videos and writing blogs and that kind of vibe. But I think I had to change up my process a little bit because it was becoming tedious. I was becoming so obsessed with like not me spilling all my tea immediately, like we're not even a minute into the podcast. But now nah, I need to get it out because I need to just be open and, and vulnerable about this. But like, I become very ups- I became very obsessed with wanting to make such a perfect project that I can then market out, you know, on TikTok or on Instagram or social media and everything. Like that was my whole plan with this project. And I still have those aspirations. I still do want to learn how to market myself on social media and everything. Like I'm reading books and I'm really studying up on that and I'm observing um, social media in a very different way, consuming it in a very different way from the perspective of somebody who wants to create on there. But like, I think the thing is, I was so obsessed with that, that doing the actual work for Musings with Mona became very tedious. It was like, oh shit, I have to do all these different things. Like every week I have to do all these different things to hit these deadlines. And that just feels like a job. And that wasn't the point of this whole summer, especially after not getting my internship. Like it was the whole point of the summer wasn't for me to try to load up work. It was to actually open my mind up and learn. And what I was not realizing in this pursuit or in that pursuit was where I was at, like the real people that I can go and meet, the real skills I can go out and have and develop, like the real connections that I was making in my day-to-day life outside of social media, or maybe even if they started on social media, they kind of kind of came out from social media into the real life. I wasn't really focusing on those. And I was so obsessed with just like how is social how is it gonna appear on social media and everything with appearances. I can't even lie. Yo, when I be a fake bitch, I have to say I have to call myself out on it because <laughs> and so I kind of was like, wait a minute, damn, like I'm going to these workshops and I'm meeting all these different artists and I'm also talking to people, even non-artists, like and just talk connecting to people in different kinds of ways. I think that this is a lot more enriching to me. And I would want Music with Mona to be more of a like snapshot or an encapsulation or a summary of these real life experiences that I'm having. And yeah, so I've kind of switched out how I was going to work on this project. Um, Long story short, I started drawing and sketching a lot more. I'm also DJing too i picked up djing as well which is a great like crazy thing for me because i've always wanted to do something that allows me to express myself through music but i was never an instrumentalist i was never a girl who can play instruments i singing like is singing is not it for me um and 
I producing too I never really felt like producing was necessarily the way I wanted to go at some point maybe in the future but I didn't really want that to be my main way I always loved making playlists and just kind of like encapsulating a feeling through music um and of course like making playlists everybody does that does that necessarily make me a musical person I don't know but DJing is the process of mixing these different sounds together. And I'm not here to try to intellectualize and romanticize DJing or anything. I'm not trying to be here and be like, oh, look at me. I'm a DJ. Da, da, da. But I am just saying, like, for me, it's big because I've always wanted an outlet to express myself through music. And this is a, such a, like, fun little activity to do. Like, kind of just, like, get to know the controller and get to know, like, how to read music and how to understand it a little differently and it allows me also to connect to people as well because every time I go to a party or something I could just be like so like what are you listening to like what's your favorite song like what's your summer playlist looking like and it's just a great way to just start conversation and to really get deep with conversation too because when you really like you listen to the same shit as a person it's like damn like we are friends but then even when you don't listen to the same shit as a person, they show you these new genres or these new styles. It, I love to do research. I love to just go and like learn things and figure things out. So I'm going to spend my days on Wikipedia walking, watching documentaries to figure out like, oh, damn, like what's this genre? What appeals to people about this genre? And I'm a performer, right? That's why I said I'm the star of this podcast. I'm also the host because I'm also a journalist too. But I'm a performer. So for me... When I think about DJing, the best DJs that I love is the DJs who not only are doing great mixes and really getting the crowd going, it's also the DJs that, like, are shaking ass on the table, like, as they're DJing. Because, like, you need to believe in your own shit as well so everyone can feel your vibe. If you're feeling your own vibe, if you're feeling, like, really good about what you're doing, regardless, automatically, that magneticism is going to feed off of other people and people are going to feel that and they're going to get into their own vibe. Like, that's the whole concept of being a role model, isn't it? Anyhow, um, that's my little, uh, like, dump because I'm feeling a little guilty. I had to put that little dump on you guys. But, um, yeah, for me, this summer is summering. I can't even lie to you. This summer is summering. Like, I've been going outside more. I've been meeting people and people who really like feed my soul like so heavy and like it's so great after these past two years of like isolation trials and tribulations machinations it's so great to like go out into the world and to meet people and connect with them on a different kind of level and to be able to come back home and like really relish in that love and think to myself like, oh shit, I really am not as alone as I kind of was starting to convince myself that I was throughout these past two years. Like, I think the past two years were necessary for me to come to terms with my own relationship with myself. And I think now I'm able to open up to the fact that, oh shit, like... I actually have so much to give to other people and so much to receive and to take in as well from other people. What else? Yeah, summer is summering. Like, it feels good to feel the sun on my skin. Like, it's been hot these days, but, like, I don't know. I, I can't even complain about it because when it be cold, the cold is not only cold, it's biting, it's dry, it's depressing, it's everything. But right now with the summer, I ain't thinking about all of that shit. I'm thinking about good vibes and everything. 
So yeah, and also Venus is oh, happy Leo season as well. Happy Leo season to my lying girlies. Come on, I'm a Leo rising, so by virtue, it's also my season too. <laughs> and also happy venus retrograde to the bitches um if your ex comes back into your life no that's all i'm gonna say if he comes back or she comes back into your life no also no crazy haircuts no crazy dyeing your hairs and shit do temporary shit don't come and do no permanent stuff to your body because you are gonna be like when venus comes out of retrograde you're gonna be like nah girl what was that so please just Take this time to learn more about what you like and what you don't like. Come into yourself, nurture your inner child, and have fun. August to me is the best month of summertime because it's just like, it's just vibes. It's just like, it's the final stretch of summer. This is the time for you to go out. If you hadn't been going out in June, July, which have been going by so fucking fast, you need to show out in August. So really, yeah, I'm really excited about life right now despite all the craziness in the background it's like it's literally like that meme of that little dog that's in the fire like in the house that's burning on fire like it's giving very much that is this is fine because it actually is fine like it's sweet too but anyhow (laughs) so today on the podcast it's going to be a little different um i'm going to be doing so instead of doing like a 60 minute episode that's going to be talking about one particular topic I'm going to do like 20 minute segment, three 20 minute segments on three different topics. And I'm calling these episodes quick hits. Basically, with the whole concept of the Muse Create Learn for my podcast, which I'm not going to adhere to as strictly because I do have this thing where I kind of get very strict with how I organize my time or organize the things that I do. So I'm kind of like, okay, relent, ma'ams. But Ideally, the whole idea was like, okay, um, we'd have 60-minute episodes of musings, having fun, telling stories, creating, talking about arts and the things that inspire us, the creative process, and then learn, which is more about like culture, what's happening with the youth, what's happening like with our generation, what people love, what people don't love. Let's get into this. Let's let's get into the episode. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so... Before I begin, let me say that I got an iPad recently and I've been really wanting to invest in an iPad. I saved up and I finally was able to get my iPad after doing a pop-up film school. We were able to get a stipend from that. So I was able to finally like reach the end to be able to get my iPad. And it's the best investment that I ever made in like ever like the iPad specifically is going to be related for like all my art stuff, my musings with Mona work. My This is where I started practicing DJing before I got my controller and everything. Like it's really just like my creative little thing, my literal digital diary. And yeah, I feel so cute with it when I have my little Apple pen like jotting notes and stuff. Because I was always jealous of bitches whenever they were in class taking notes on the iPad. I'm like, damn, like y'all is really fancy like that. That's crazy. I'm still taking notes on fucking Google Docs. But now though, here I am. I also have my iPad. The difference is ain't no school shit on here because yeah, (laughs) no thank you. Anyhow, so okay, for the Muse section of this episode, I want to talk about wasting time creatively, okay? Because 
I feel like I'm not the only person who thinks about this, but you're in the summertime and everything and June passes. Boom. We're already at the end of July. You know, we're past halfway into the school year. Summer has hit her midpoint. And there's this feeling of like caution and tension that creeps up when I start really deeping how much time has passed. Like, and it's so potent, especially during the summertime, because, you know, we know that after by the time labor hit pulls up what by the time labor day pulls up we already know that oh shit like it's back to the grind it's back to getting into the routine and you know for me i'm still finding it a little bit difficult to really describe what this summer has been for me you know music with mona is one of the biggest things that i was like i want to work on this summer and she's kind of taking a different light And there's also the part of me this summer that has been taking a lot more risks and kind of leading with that desire to open myself up a bit more to unlearn some of the defensive mechanisms that I've developed, you know, in my childhood and in my teen years. There's also the part of me that subconsciously wants to recoup time during the summer for, you know, all the summers that we missed because of the pandemic. And also too, like, I'll be really honest, there's a part of me that this summer was kind of like, yeah, I want to prove myself to others as well. Like, I want to prove that I can be an artist, that I can be a creative person, that I'm doing stuff, that I'm getting things done. And kind of the first thing I want to talk about in this whole idea of wasting time is I want to talk about the idea of hastiness, right? So for me, and obviously you can tell you're listening to this podcast, you're listening to my voice solely, but there's always been a hastiness to the way that I talk like almost like I'm trying to get ahead of people misunderstanding me and the like there's a definition in the the dictionary for hastiness which is fast and typically superficial but then the definition that I like from the dictionary and that I'm referring to specifically is acting too quickly or overly eager and impatient And I feel like the whole idea for hastiness with me comes from a place of fear, like the place of fearing the loss of meaning. Being misunderstood is something that to this day, I really do fear. And I guess fear maybe is not the best word, but I'll be honest, like it's it's a fear. It comes from a sense of like, Either I'll lack the kind of respect or care of that I want from people to be able to express my feelings openly, or either I will say something that will offend people or that will hurt people, maybe because I, I, I have quite a blunt and like direct delivery, very kind of like matter of fact in the way that I speak. And sometimes that, sometimes it's not very sweet. Sometimes it's a little dry. Sometimes it's a little, you know. And then I also have the part of me that's over overly eager and ambitious and dramatizes the way that I speak. And in that, there's always like this, like how my brain works is kind of like I, I, I try to, I have something I want to say. And I'm always thinking like, okay, but I'm talking to this person. How can I express what I want to say in a way that that person is going to be able to understand in the most efficient way? And the issue with that kind of translation is that 
there's a lot to communication that isn't so clear and there's a lot to communication like that isn't just like very straightforward and so when I'm trying to like hide away from what my true feelings are because I'm trying to put this other person's feelings above mine I'm going to be misunderstood because I'm not even being transparent with my own feelings but then when I come and I'm bolstering and I'm just like yeah it's about me I'm not taking into consideration the other person's feelings so yeah being misunderstood is really a huge issue that I have and so in an effort to kind of get over that and like trans like just kind of transcend that I'm always speaking a little quickly a little eagerly a little you know just a little impatient in the way that I speak so (laughs) I have a story that is gonna help me help illustrate this whole little feeling with hastiness so basically when I was in high school I had a crush on a guy and we started to get closer because we were just like chatting on snapchat and everything like that we really bonded over soccer and we were getting closer we were bantering and things like that and I was really itching to tell him my feelings so my rationale was that I wanted to know, I wanted to tell him my feelings because I wanted to know how he felt about me so that I knew what step to take after. If he told me, yeah, I like you too, then I can come and be like, okay, I'll flirt with you more. But then if he tells me, nah, I don't really like you like that, I can be like, okay, I'll back off. You know, I can go and cry in the corner and then I'll come and we'll be able to still be friends. So I wanted to tell him on a Friday because that was a day like there was a long weekend so for me it was like my my whole thing was like if he rejected me I had Saturday Sunday Monday to get over it and then to return to school like nothing had happened so Friday pulls up because the thing about me like (laughs) I actually saw this I like Tumblr has done so much damage on my my psyche as a young girl because I seen this shit on Tumblr once and I, I won't lie that shit stuck with me because they was like how do each of the the zodiac sounds zodiac signs deal with like pain or with like how they cry and the one for aquarius was they go into the closet they cry and they go mad in the closet and then they come out like nothing happened and i remember like reading that and i was like hmm that makes sense i actually like that that's kind of good <laughs> i was like wait that's kind of good though like I can go and go mad in the closet. Ain't nobody going to see me. And then I come out and I'm perfectly fine and I can take care of everyone. So ever since that, that has low-key been like a little bit of my defense mechanism. I'm the type of bitch that when I'm really sad about something upset, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go cry. I'm going to go insane. Like you're going to hear me throwing shit, swearing, banging, everything. You're going to be listening in the closet. You're going to be like, girl, is this girl Okay. And I'm going to come out of the closet fine. You're going to be like, bitch, are you good? Like, we heard you going mad in there. I'll be like, what? Nobody was going mad. I'm fine. I'm fine. (laughs) So anyhow, Friday pulls up. And I have four different opportunities that day to tell him face to face, yo, I really like you. And every single time I chickened out. I even remember there was this one time we were going like we were coming down the stairs and we were going opposite ways and he held the door for me so I like walk past and we kind of lingered both of us and then I just walked away because I was like nah I can't do it here it's too embarrassing and also I remember thinking at the time too kind of like what would I even want out of this 
anyways you know like I was like I'm making such a fuss about telling him but it was like I wasn't even clear with myself on like what I even wanted out of this whole like relationship in the first place but yeah that's something that really like stuck with me and even thinking about it now I'm just kind of like, what would I actually have wanted I feel like this I'll talk about this a little later but like yeah like I, I Sometimes I'll be too caught up in the chase and I'm just like, yo, what do you even want? When you get the prize, like, what are you going to feel anyways? So I didn't tell him on Friday and then Saturday like passes, Sunday rolls around and I go to Tim Hortons with my older cousin. I'm telling her everything, you know, all of that. And then I'm also in the mean, meanwhile, texting my best friend. And as I'm telling my, my cousin that, you know, I had a spam account and he would always comment and like and interact on my spam but suddenly he just stopped i was like to her like i think he knows like why did he just stop like interacting on my spam page and i'm texting my best friend and i'm telling her also like you know i I haven't told him on friday and she tells me that she told her boyfriend who happens to be his best friend and then he Like, her boyfriend told my crush that I liked him. And he told him that, oh, Momonari is not my type. I was like, damn. (laughs) Yo. Do you know how heartbreaking that kind of shit is when you're a 16-year-old girl? (laughs) Like, yo. Nah, that shit was so I remember going crazy to my older sister and my older cousin. I'm like, girl, like what the fuck? I was so upset. And you know, Monday comes around, you know, I'm like just upset. I was crying. I was just like, fuck, this is so upsetting. And I was kind of like, damn, like I need to like rectify shit on Tuesday. Because if there's another thing about me, especially back when I was 16. I hate awkwardness. I don't like tension. I don't like thickness of tension between me and a person. If there is that, I will go to that person. I'll be like, girl, what the fuck is going on between us? Please, let's talk about it because I do not like this shit. I don't like feeling like I need to kind of watch if a person is like watching for me because like I just don't like that. So... Tuesday rolls around and I catch him on uh, the way to the buses. Like, it's the end of the day of school. Like, basically, I remember even, like, seeing my best friend confront him in the hallways at the lockers, trying to tell him, like, you're such a player. You led you led, led mams on, da 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 And I was like, girl, this is so embarrassing. Let me turn the fuck away. So at the end of the day, you know, we, like, are walking to the school buses and I catch him and I, like, try to clear things up and we ended up just deciding that we're gonna stay friends and you know that this was just like a little awkward moment and you know (laughs) besides me kind of low-key apologizing for having feelings him acknowledging the ways that he might have led me on and my best friend betraying me besides all of that shit besides that like stuff this to- every time I think about this story, it always makes me think of a few things about my relationship to hastiness and my relationship to just wanting to get ahead of things. Number one, I obviously wanted to get ahead of the hurt, right? Like, 
my whole thing about wanting to come back on Tuesday feeling healed as fuck and everything, you know, because I was like anticipating rejection. Like there's a part of me that is like, okay, wait, if I can be hurt by the situation, what is the best way for me to circumvent that? Because I don't like to experience that shit. Secondly, I was way more concerned with what he was going to say than what my actual feelings and desires were. So, like, for me, like, my feelings for him were kind of attached to how he felt about me. Like, they were very much outside of me. You know, when I was talking about how, what would I want from this, like, relationship, I think, you know, even though obviously I was pained by getting rejected from him, I was probably more upset by getting rejected by him and finding that out through some third party. That was what upset me probably a lot more because the reality is I think I would have been way more scared if in the end he was like, yeah, I actually do like you the same way that you like me. I would have been way more scared because then I would have been like, damn, so what the fuck happens now? (laughs) Like, damn, you like me. Okay. (laughs) Like... And then the third thing is, I think I was, like, yeah, I was way more afraid that he was going to say that he liked me than him saying that he didn't. Because being in anticipation of the worst thing happening allows me the opportunity to just be like, okay, fuck that nigga. Fuck him. Like, da-da-da, fuck this guy. I'm going to glow up and be so much better. He's going to regret that shit. It allows me to be able to just, like, always be in this feeling of, like, I don't, I don't want, like, I'm not going to be loved for who I am. I have to always be this better person or whatever. And also because I didn't have to take responsibility for my desires and, like, whatever would have came out from expressing them, you know? I can just content myself with just being passive and not really expressing myself. When the reality is, when you express yourself and how you feel, the other person is an uncontrolled variable. They have the right to be like, I don't like you like that or whatever. They have absolutely the right but it's more about like, are you going to stand with your own self and your own feelings regardless of what another person or external um, like situations are going to, how they're going to receive that? So yeah, that's kind of the moral of the story after I, every time I think about this story. It's just one of those things that like completely wires and changes the course of your lifetime like as a, a teenage girl for real. But I'll go to another concept in the whole idea of wasting time, which is fleetingness. And when I was thinking about, you know, I'm talking about like how somebody, how they, how somebody feels about you is an uncontrolled variable. You know, that's such a like (laughs) dry way of describing it, but you know, it's just for shits and giggles. But the reason why I say that too is because life and love are fleeting. And like, those are things that we can't really have control over, right? But like, if life is fleeting or it's made up of fleeting moments, then being hasty makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? So I was reading this um, interview on The Creative Independent, which is one of my favorite like websites. They do a bunch of interviews with artists um, from all different mediums and practices. And they were interviewing uh, Gunnar Montana, who is a performance artist. And there's something that they were talking about in their interview that really stuck with me. They were talking about the unglamorous aspect of creativity. And specifically, they were talking about, so they're a performance artist. They build these installations 
and it takes them these like weeks and months to build these beautiful installations people come indulge in it receive it kind of are transformed by it and then in the end they have to tear the installation down and they were talking about what's really painful about this process is the emotional death that comes from destroying something that you spent so much time building which is like that just stuck to me because it really made me think that like shit like everything in this life is fleeting everything in this life the only thing that's guaranteed in this life is like the ending of something and then the rebirth of something new so like our thoughts are fleeting our feelings our ideas moments creations even certain relationships in some aspects as well and then that just got me thinking that okay wait a minute fleetingness or a shortness of time does not equal to superficiality just because something doesn't last very long it doesn't mean that it's like not as intimate or not as important and knowing when to shorten things is actually not inherently a bad thing but the thing is what's the difference between fleetingness and hastiness for me is that hastiness is almost like you're trying to get ahead of the fact that you know something is going to end right because maybe in your life you never were able to fully indulge in the pleasure of having things i know for me that's my experience right like not always having the ability to fully indulge in the things that i want because oh shit school is coming soon or oh shit mom and dad are coming home i shouldn't be watching this tv show or like oh shit like this person may not like me back so like i need to keep these 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 feelings within hastiness is trying to get ahead out of fear like it's not wanting to trust that the external world can hold space for the love that you have to offer or it doesn't like it's it's not wanting to trust that you yourself can keep moving forward and keep receiving love and giving love regardless of how you were received in the past right that that trauma response i was talking about so we established life is made up of fleeting moments there's cycles and seasons we graduate we change jobs we see our siblings go from elementary to middle to high school and we know that summer has come to an end when labor day arrives how i like to think like time Time is paradoxical, right? There's some aspects of time that we control and there's some aspects of it that we don't. And I like to think of time as a river. When the river is settled, we have more control over how we travel with the flow of the water. We are able to move around a little bit more and really feel a lot more safer within ourselves to take those risks. But then when the river is awake, we have a smaller or more concentrated scope of control. You need to focus on your survival. You need to focus on the things you actually can hold on to and control. And I think how I like to think about that in terms of, you know, this as an analogy to life, when the summer is moving past, like flying past so fast, I like to think like, okay, wait a minute, how can I make my experience of life right now in this moment the best that I can or the most pleasurable pleasurable (laughs) that I can um ultimately it's about like what do you want to do 
right? Like, what do you want to do? And for me, I want to ride the river. I want to follow its pace. I want to swim with the tide. So like, okay, we established, you know, hastiness is based in fear. And we also talked about fleetingness and how that's just how life be. What then do we do? For me, acceptance. The practice of acceptance is what's been the most liberating for me. Like, does being eager and impatient bite me in the butt? Absolutely. But the thing is, I'm an optimist. I'm an idealist. I might be a little cynical in some senses, but I'm also a narcissist as well. And personally, I am always assuming at all times that all people will always share the excitement that I have. And then I'm super deflated when people don't return that energy. There's two things that I kind of feel like could be some good tips if you relate to that. Number one, don't judge yourself for being an excited or hasty or like eager person, you know. Being a passionate person, like you have this kind of fire in you or this passion within you for a reason. So yes, we live in a world where, you know, as you get older, you start realizing that it's not everyone that returns that energy, but that doesn't mean that you should tamper that down or try to like, like stamp on that flame. No, like she exists for a reason. Secondly, I think trying to cultivate the safety that allows you to be excited could probably be a lot more helpful than trying to control the external world because whatever you create within will manifest outside but the thing is like how do you do that ma'ams how do you cultivate that sense of safety bitch i don't know i'm 21 i don't fucking know <laughs> because the thing is like being in your 20s is so crazy because even though theoretically i understand this I can't help when September rolls around and school is back in and work is back in to be swimming in this, like swimming against the tide. Like it feels like the river is always awake when I'm in this like routine. So it feels like for me, like, oh shit, I got to swim against the tide because every bitch around me is doing the same thing. When it's like, nah, that person is swimming, swimming in the direction that makes sense to them because that's what works for them me i need to find like the balance between when do i do more when do i do less and like information overload is so real like it's real as fuck because we live in a time where it's just like everybody has an answer for everything and i'm like that's crazy you're 23 and you have the answer to everything in this world like i actually don't believe you but the practice of acceptance i think has been quite liberating to me because it's allowing me to be a less like less mean with myself and I'm trying to learn how to accept my fear of being misunderstood I'm learning to accept the fleetingness of life I'm really learning to accept in the grand scheme of things that the passage of time does not have to be an indictment on my own existence and my excitement for life and how I am currently living my life. You know, there's an empowered feeling in knowing that my 20s are a time to befriend time. And that process is really messy. And at this point in my life, I might very much be wasting time, quote unquote, because I'm learning more about how I desire to feel and how I want to live my life. 
I'm learning more about how to use the passion that I have within to fuel me in doing the things that feel good and that I know that I can be around people who also are going to encourage me and who can feed off of my energy. So what's my verdict after this little musings? When times are low, let it be. When times are high, write it like there is no tomorrow. When, like most days, it is in like this in-between, find beauty in the mundane. Try again tomorrow if it doesn't work out and always, always, always stand with yourself as you learn to create your own rhythm within this greater cycle of life. Okay, philosopher Mona, over. So for this next section, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to switch gears a little bit and I'm going to talk about, this is going to be the learn section. And here I want to talk about the idol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Every bitch has given her opinion on the show. She is not making that much noise anymore. But I kind of like a t- I kind of like to talk about things when they don't be making noise anymore because it's like <laughs> I think my opinion is so important that I just like don't want it to get lost in the sea of varying opinions. So I'm kind of like, you know, what? let me wait out a little bit and then let me give y'all my tea now. <laughs> but no. In real time, like, I don't think I'm going to be saying anything that other people haven't been said or haven't been saying, but I do hope to give a little bit more nuance to the major discussion that I was finding with the idol. So this section is going to be called, the idol is not bad because bitches are having sex. It's bad, but not because bitches are having sex. So what are the main criticisms that I found with the show? There's four main things that I found. So number one is the sex and the nudity of it all. Like that felt like that was the biggest, biggest, biggest point of criticism that a lot of people were giving. Secondly, it was the context around the production, right? Like there was supposed to be a female director that was supposed to take over. And then the weekend was like, bitch, get the fuck out of here. I don't want to hear no woman. I don't want to hear that shit again. He was like, get you, get this bitch out of here. And so, boom, he brought in no one other but Mr. Sam Levinson. Like, that man, even saying his name is sinister. (laughs) Number um, three is The Weeknd as an actor. Terrible, according to the girls. And then number four, Sam Levinson. Fucking Sam Levinson. So let's, let's get into it. So before I get into, like, my nuanced little feminist take... I'm going to talk about what I liked and what I didn't like about the show. Because yes, unlike all you people, I did watch the show. And I did like many aspects of the show. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. So let's talk about it. The first thing that I really liked about the show is I liked the score. If there's one thing about The weekend that you can't say is that he doesn't make hits. That's the one thing you can't say about that guy. Like, he knows how to make good music. He knows how to make a song. So the score was really nice. I really liked um the music specifically i like the song one of one of your girls or one of those girls it's the one with lily rose depp jenny and the weekend like wait a minute i didn't know like lily rose like lily rose depp can sing like wait a minute what did y'all do to her voice because yo she was yeah i like that song secondly i really liked lily rose depp troy savon rachel cena and then everyone who was playing in the team. I really like, I think they were the best actors in um, the show. Like, 
and that brings me to my third point that I liked about the show. I really did like, um, I think that the show had like two plots. It had one plot that felt very good, very intriguing. It really drew me in. And it was the plot around a pop star growing up in the industry and trying to make a comeback after suffering some deep trauma and some traumatic, like some traumatic shit. That was a really interesting plot point. Like, what are all these external factors that make it hard for her to really come into herself, truly? And then there was a second plot point, which was The weekend. Every time that nigga was on the screen, it was like, God damn, this nigga again. But my fourth thing that I liked about the show is I actually did like the cult plot point. I think that that's interesting. It throws a different wrench into it because... Now you're asking yourself, like, wait a minute, who am I cheering on here? Her team, who all rely on her because they need to eat and they need to make their money and sustain their own lifestyles? Or also, do I do I support maybe the cult? Because it seems like artistically and emotionally speaking, they get her. Yeah, it was, I actually really did like that. And I liked, like I said, I liked the dark look into the music industry. And I honestly really think it was important for somebody who has history in the industry to offer up their insights as well. So I think The weekend worked as like a creative director point of view for the show. This fifth point might be a little controversial. I know, I know. But I kind of did like that there was some aspects of like BDSM in there. Ah, look, 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 look. Of course, it was very toxic, the representation. But I kind of liked how like their whole relationship was kind of like, you know, surrender yourself to me. And like you'll be able to creatively, you know, like express yourself. I think there's something a bit more dark and taboo there that could be addressed i just know that there's a slippery slope because i'm gonna make this commentary about the weekend but i did kind of like that i thought that was yo there i said that was a little hot (laughs) but then like once it started rolling when the relationship started going i was like damn like nah that's not what i want but like i think i hopefully BDSM representation gets a lot better in the next, you know, 10 years. But, like, for the little, like, for the girl who grew up on Wattpad, like, I can't even. (laughs) Let me stop. Let me stop. Okay, so that's enough positivity because I'm not going to let this show embarrass me and my, you know, embarrass the little fantasies that I be having in the back of my mind. But let's get into what I didn't like about this show. Numero uno, her name. Jocelyn? Yeah, that's not my pop star. That's not my pop star, because what? Anyways, it's giving nursing home, but hey, that's just me. Cinematography, number two. Objectively, very beautiful. But what did it do for the story, though? Nothing. That's my opinion. It did nothing. A lot of rolling shots of Jocelyn smoking in her big-ass fucking backyard. Bitch, what is that telling me about your story absolutely nothing just that you be smoking third point the plot and specifically the pacing of the plot was absolutely terrible you could tell at some point that they were rushing through the thing and i'm very curious as to why the sixth episode didn't come out because that last episode the fifth one was a mess 
And I'm I'm just like curious, like was that supposed to be did they already have a six episode shot or like nah, it, it just didn't make any sense to me. Um, fourth point writing on the nose much like unless that's really how like shallow Hollywood and LA people be speaking like it just like some of the things they were saying some of the jokes that they had was just kind of like damn like this shit's crazy and I kind of understood like you know the weekend is like a satire it's satire I kind of understand like there's some moments that were funny but that was because like the cast and like the actors sold it but it's like, yo, you you wasn't even eating like that. But I'll get to the weekend. Like, I'll get to him. Um, what is this? Fifth points now, I think. Mike Dean makes great music. But what the fuck is this? What was that guy doing there for more than three episodes? Like, with his head top. Like, I was like, yo, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, what are you doing here again? What are you serving to the plot? You're just here for spectatorship? And some of his comments that he was giving was supposed to be, I guess, like, you know, like, it's supposed to be kind of like the inserts for the audience. But like, yo, like, get out of here. Make your music and get the fuck out of here. Um, Costuming. Not one outfit made me gag. Not one outfit ate. That's so shocking to me. She's supposed to be a pop star, hot shit, everything. Not one outfit ate. It was a mess. The whole costuming was a mess. Like, Depp is hot as fuck. But like, what else? What else? Isaac, um, Moses Sumney is fine as fuck, sexy man, very, very fine, beautiful voice, everything, but his character kind of pissed me off, because, like, listen, I understand he's supposed to represent the whole, like, sex aspect of the cults and everything, you know, because it's supposed, it's a sex cult, right, I kind of understand that, but, like, we get these moments where, like, he's very sweet, and he clearly, like, has some kind of depth of something, and then, boom, he's just, like, gyrating like <laughs> on the floor and i'm like what is this i don't know i'm not gonna speak too much about the weekend and his ideas of like black men but yeah there's something we gotta unpack over there sir there's something we gotta unpack but anyhow uh, speaking about the weekend actually tedros tedros with your head your head ass sleazy sleazy man and my critique is not, so, yes, Abel cannot, like, I was calling him The weekend, but let's give Abel. Abel can't act, like, that's facts. But I don't even know if Tedros was written to be somebody who was meant to be acted well even. To me, Tedros is just, like, one of the characters that The weekend portrays in his music, personally. Um... He was a shit. Every time this guy came onto screen, it was just like, bro, brother, like, here we go again. Like, yo, what's now? It was just like, bro, the plot was moving, and then your your ugly ass has to pull up. And in the first couple of episodes, he, like, he was kind of giving very much, like, um, villain and whatever. But then, like, as the episode started going, and I guess this is the weekend, his whole point was like, yeah, you know, he's supposed to be, like, actually a loser and everything. I'm just like, why, though? Like, and then when you get to the ending, it kind of makes sense. So, yeah, let's get on to the ending then. Yeah, after the ending, I was like, yeah, we're literally in a man's world. Like, yo, we're actually supposed to believe that 
even with no, and I'm gonna spoil the ending because I know you, either you bitches watch the show or you ain't, you're not gonna watch the show. <clears throat> We're supposed to believe by the ending that even though we get no insights into how Jocelyn came up or her relationship with her mother, which is a huge, huge, huge motif throughout the show, we're supposed to believe that she's the real mastermind at the end of all of this. The woman who gets controlled in every other aspect of her life, we're supposed to believe that like she's the one actually who was controlling Tedros. And I won't lie, I kind of saw it coming when they were kind of cementing these seeds of sympathy for Tedros. And there was that one scene, spoiler alert, and also trigger warning too, when they were like shocking the fuck out of Xander to like get him to like, you know, basically to brainwash him to join the cult. I think that that was the moment I think that we were supposed to be like, oh shit, Jocelyn is actually a very sinister bitch. But to me, when I was watching that scene, I was like, well, of course she's gonna like have her little vendetta against like Xander. If that's, if anything he was saying was true, then like, yeah, like she's gonna be, I don't know, the industry is sick like that. But like, I wasn't gonna come here and then think just from that one scene, like, oh shit, she's the real mastermind. Nah, like it was really a lazy, lazy, lazy ending. I, yeah, it was, it was really shit. And then this brings me to now we're getting out from the show and we're getting into the creative direction. Okay. So if the sound is giving different, if the, you know, the vibe is a little different now, that's because I'm actually recording this a couple of days later and I'm at my uh, family's home because, you know, I came to visit and everything and I couldn't finish recording it before I left. So you're most definitely going to hear some voices in the background. You might hear even the fan because I can only go so long in this damn closet without a fan. I'm not trying to cook to death. And yeah, isn't it crazy that every time I come back to my family home to get an ounce of peace, I must return to the closet. Crazy. Anyhow. <laughs> yeah, so off to the thing that I, the last thing that I don't really enjoy about the show, or I didn't really enjoy about the show, which is the creative direction. <clears throat> to Sam, Abel, and I'm also going to get on Reza Fahim's ass too, to all of y'all. Thank you for proving to me why I believe men don't deserve rights. Men should not be screenwriting or directing or having any hands in anything related to being creative. As a matter of fact, men should just stay home and do the bills. That's what men need to be doing. That's a joke if you couldn't get it. (laughs) But no, like in real life, my biggest issue with this show is how it validates the narrative that Hollywood has that a man's vision, no matter how shallow or voyeuristic it is, it's worth investing millions of dollars behind it. You know, like, we always have stories and excuses for why we can't invest um, money in some other narratives or stories that are too like women-centered or people of color because the public isn't there for that but then when it comes to these kinds of media there is no question behind wanting to invest in them especially if we know they're going to be provocative if there's star power behind it and like for me it's like then it's like a weird cycle because then us as a society we just continue to create discourse and consume 
like media that very much is just completely a male fantasy and instead of having a discussion about you know why we continue to validate people with shallow ideas and beliefs around being revolutionary or whatever because that's what that's the refrain and the excuse or the i'll say it's more the refrain not an excuse it's what they were saying um abel and sam they were saying about the show like people don't get it because it's so revolutionary or whatever and it's like why do we as a society continue to validate these people and instead of like having a discussion about that and like an actual like nuanced take to that it's really just instead we're discussing the purity of sex scenes and nudity in a show that very much its whole thing is shock value you know what i mean or like was this story the beginning of something revolutionary especially when we think about what the original premise of the story was how it originally was starting to come to form and it was just the wrong medium and the wrong people to tell the story you know for me like tedros is literally just a glorified version of the weekend they both do not respect women they both do not see them as human until they need someone to blame all their misery on and we know sam levinson we know how he messed up euphoria with his whole viristic thing so here are my musings about the representation of sex and the erotic in media the question that i have to ask is when is sex in a tv show too much when is nudity in a movie too much and at what point do we as an audience pause our morality alarms to realize how very real and valid criticism about the use of the erotic in media is being waged in a very reactive way like it was just very interesting for me to see how people are talking about this because it feels very much like it feels very much like hive mind you know like this is wrong we all establish that this is wrong the way that they use sex is wrong so boom we have to fight this show and fight these wrongs because they are wrong and because everyone is saying that they are wrong therefore you have to put it upon your own sense of self that oh because everyone's saying that this is wrong if i'm actually to believe that i'm a good person or whatever i also should believe that this is wrong that's just a simplification of how i feel like people approach these discuss these discussions and the reason why i point this out is because for me it really doesn't invite further discourse on the role of the erotic in arts in a way that actually could be interesting or nuanced nor does it invite people to make links between purity culture and how it morphs and changes by generation and the way that we as a generation are currently talking about eroticism in art like all the discourses hyper focus on sex and the the sex and nudity in the show is interesting because yes the rolling stone article that came out before the show's premiere which i'll link um in the description box but that article gave a lot of insights into the alleged exploitation that was happening on set and yes like i mentioned this show uses sex in a very gratuitous way and uses it for shock value 
because while it does serve the plot at a certain extent like the relationship is completely based in like set it's a completely sexual uh relationship emotional maybe in some other ways though we can obviously argue very toxic ways um it served the plot in a very shallow way and it also doesn't add any artistic value to the show like even the way you know we're talking about the cinematography of sam levinson and it's like the way that this like if you thought that the pornography like style of shooting was crazy in euphoria it was especially crazy in this show because some of the shots just didn't even make any sense to the characters to the mood to the tone to the plot to nothing it was just for vibes and i was like yo like all of those criticisms are very valid and you know like even there's even a point too in the show where like you would think that they would use sex in a way to tell us something about tedros like this character who's supposed to be this scary big bad man even though throughout the show i guess he kind of loses almost his masculinity in a way because it turns out the mastermind was the girl all along which just proves my points that the way that they use sex was just shallow <laughs> but it would have been interesting to 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 use sex as a motif for tedros's kind of descent into this you know effeminate man or something like that i don't know i don't know what they were trying to say i just find it so intriguing that this hyper focus is on the fact that there is so much nudity so much sex it's the that's the kind of criticism that i expect from like my parents i suppose that this show isn't the best example in terms of trying to you know find a nuanced way to talk about sex but what does it say about our generation that too much sex too much nudity like the amount of eroticism in a piece of media is the biggest reason why we might collectively decide to boycott our show like in some of the discourse that i was seeing on tiktok for example about this show um there was a creator trying to make the case as very similar to mine that we shouldn't be hyper focusing on the amount of eroticism that's in these points of media because then it becomes this kind of it, it becomes a snowball effect where now every piece of media has too much nudity and too much sex and there was somebody in the comments that was really trying to make a point that the 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 movie moonlight that came out in 2016 should not have had a sex scene at all first and foremost that movie had a sex scene for like less than five minutes you barely saw what was happening and secondly like secondly like what like what the fuck what's what's going on with you girls like what is happening <laughs> that was one of the craziest takes i've seen in my life you know like i'm not a shooter for sam levinson because he doesn't need me but was euphoria not the show or is euphoria not the show that will define our generation like I think that euphoria was almost a peak for our tolerance of hypersexualized content because the first season came out in 2019 it came out a summer before the shutdown of the entire world and then the second season which yes he definitely creatively messed up in many ways and showed his hand and it also came out in the beginning of 2022 this is the beginning of a post-pandemic world where sexual fluidity and eroticism are being more and more censored and so i just find that really intriguing kind of how things have shifted um in people's kind of desire for sexual content 
in their mainstream media. And I'm not a historian, I'm not a sociologist, I'm not a psychic, but I don't know. It just feels like it's something that we need to think about a little bit more. But yeah, I hope that my take on the idol gives a little bit of a nuanced um, approach to it. And yeah, not a very good show, but an interesting area to start discussing um, eroticism in media. Okay, so let's get into this create section, and I'm really sorry if you can hear the fan in the background. Girl, it's hot as hell in this closet, first and foremost. Second of all, the way that this fan doesn't want to turn on after I turn it off, like the button is like jammed, and I need this fan to sleep tonight, so I'm kind of like, you know what, let's keep it running so that I can have something to sleep with. <laughs> um, so excuse me, yeah, I'm trying to record as far away from the fan, but my mic is also very sensitive and picks up noise all around me really really sorry um but let's get into this create section so for this create section i'm going to be talking about an album that i've been having on repeat this summer and the title of the section is george riley is running in waves because of course we're going to be talking about running in waves by george riley so how i would describe this album or just like I would put this album in the category of music that I really enjoy a lot, which I call pretty girl music. And what is pretty girl music? You know, that's such a broad term. But for me in general, pretty girl music is an album or is a piece of work that chronicles the adventure of a girl and her feelings within those adventures. So the trials and tribulations, growing up, falling in love, desire, all the like. I think I talked about this when I talked about Natural Brown, Brown Prom Queen by Sudan Archives. I would say that that's pretty girl music. Um, Cap Capper Songs by FK Twigs would also go into pretty girl music. And then I also think that, hmm, what's another example? Honestly, I would put Blonde by Frank Ocean in that category too. I know Blonde, you know, Frank Ocean's not a girl, but it's giving very much pretty girl music. So yeah, I really like this album because I feel like it very much goes through the highs and lows of being a young woman and just wanting to find your place into the world. And I just am um, like, I love that kind of music. And basically, I'm just going to go song by song and just like tell you guys, boom, what are the themes of the song and what I really like about it. And what I really like about this album, too, is how she samples a lot of her own music in the album like she basically samples songs that are in the album like in the in the in the songs and i'm just like okay what the heck like why did why am i listening to a song and i know i heard this somewhere and it's like boom two songs later boom it's the same song it's kind of interesting like an interesting way to approach it but yeah let's get into these songs so sacrifices is the first song that's an intro song it's such a great way to start the album it's so melancholic the violins are oh that shit is like it's just gonna like drop you into this mood of like damn i'm i'm a girl in the city just like <sighs> musing and ruminating and some of the themes that she talks about in this song is vulnerability and not wanting the pain that comes with vulnerability choosing between love and opportunity and how like that's not something that she wants to do because it's like i want to be able to be in love and also have the opportunity to advance myself personally as well um the fear and the the fe like the feeling of being petrified to open up 
your heart because you might ruin things and also once again you might get hurt and then i remember specifically listening to this song along the canal in the smoke in like may or june when we had like that crazy smoke in the city i remember putting on my mask like having this on and being like damn like this is life (laughs) the next song is time time is this like kind of like fast paced dance track it has like a jungle break in the middle you know she talks about protectiveness and you know what's the balance of protecting the self and also opening yourself up to the world she talks about desire very unapologetically having a good time imagining her life and you know what are the what are the exact things that she would do you know she likes good weed she likes good food she likes happy times the sun too she also talks about boundaries and expansiveness of her desires so wanting to experience beauty but then at the same time knowing that there's limits in how far she can go and i really like this one line that she has in the song where she's like be wary when i'm having a good time and i'm like yes like i love it because when i am having a good time when i'm having fun please be cautious because i am experiencing a heightened sense of self-esteem and if you didn't get clocked one day you will very much get clocked today on the day that i'm having fun if you test me but i like this song it's just really good vibes the next song is jealousy and this song is so like oh my god this song yeah (laughs) you're on a path of growth or on a path of refinement and this song basically is talking about like those feelings of tension that you get when you're starting to miss the person that you used to be because if you even though you know you left that bitch for dead it's like "Mm, wait a minute but i kind of miss her though you know what i mean she talks about like having courage in your um in your newest your newer self and having to be the one to feed that courage into your newer self so that you're not just thinking all the time about oh who was this girl that i used to be and everything you know she talks heavily about shame and prevailing through that shame and then in the end stepping into your newest self is always the most rewarding thing even if it's a little painful at times so okay the next song i love this song so much this song is running in ways it's a title track this song is like a house track and it's like she's so real when she's speaking in this song like she talks about avoidance and stress and just kind of like worrying and how worrying all the time is actually just gonna make your stress worse and it's gonna make your avoidance even more like something that you turn towards like her this whole album is for the avoidant girlies like that's another aspect of pretty girl music avoidance is like if the, if the girl's talking about avoidance yeah that's a okay on my books <laughs> she talks about taking responsibility and taking responsibility for your desires and for the things that you want in your life you know she has this line where she's like trying to place the blame but it's me it's me it's me you know me i can't sing but like she like i love that line so much because it's like i've come to a point right now in my life where i'm like realizing like oh wait a minute not because we're trying to do this whole thing of like every sort everything of like every every suffering or every point of suffering in my life is only me and my fault but there are a lot of things that if i 
just like kind of got out of the whole cynical mindset of like only the worst can happen then I feel like yeah like I'd be able to help myself a little bit more and sometimes it really is just me she talks about vulnerability and like why a person may not want to turn towards vulnerability and wants to stay stay in the false sense of security that cynicism gives us because it's just easier to criticize and in the end by the end of the song she's just like you know i no longer want to waste time because you know i'm talking about wasting time creatively and how people tell you like you know you don't have a lot of time and da, 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 da. i feel like the biggest waste of time is sitting down and complaining all the time about your life or all the time being cynical about your life like that's the biggest waste of time and for me listening to this song is optimal when i'm laying on the grass contemplating all the love i give out that isn't always reciprocated but also the love that i didn't even dare try to express to a person and i just think about how attaching myself to the why things will not work out makes a lot of sense when i think about how i've experienced and received love up to this point in my life how the courageous thing for me to do is to maybe attach myself to the part that believes why things will work out and maybe now I'm gonna create the sense of love that I didn't always get to receive um, growing up another thing about the song is it reminds me a lot of not necessarily sonically but just in its vibe and in the feeling that it draws out of me it reminds me a lot of self-control by Frank Ocean it's, it has the same, like, end-of-summer, nostalgia, dreadcore, dark red and orange vibes as that song. Next song is Delusion. Long story about that song, it's literally just Misery Loves Company, and I do not want to be one of Mis- Misery's bitches. Like, nah, that's it. That's the only thing I have to say about that song. Next song, same thing. It's only, like, one word to say. Honesty. That's the name of the song. For me about this song, it's like, it's just feelings, like, it's just feelings, and it's like, the not always being honest with your feelings, and you know what, like, I know, you know, we need to be honest, and then, and then, but sometimes not being honest is actually the best thing, and sometimes that's even the most honest thing. Don't ask me to elaborate. The next song is Acceptance, and this song has a very, like, haunting feel, it's like the kind of song that I imagine, you know, myself skipping through like an empty down, downtown core kind of vibe. The song talks about growing up. She has a line where she's kind of like musing about like, you know, I'm growing up and I guess I'm, you know, she's like, I'm growing up and I'm accepting the challenge, I guess. Like she like has the whole like, I guess. And I'm like, damn, I feel you. <laughs> like the whole theme of this song is basically just chilling on yourself like give yourself grace and also take your time with things and take your space because not only is that beneficial for you but it also affects other people and she talks about intuition trusting your intuition and also it's normal to feel lost like that's a normal feeling especially at this age at this time and when you're on your journey and basically like for me whenever i listen to this song like it always just makes me feel like it it reiterates the feeling that i have that the real challenge in this life is to accept yourself you know it's to love yourself and to know that 
you know what you want from yourself more than anyone else like nobody can tell you what you want for yourself and this song is going to be on replay for me during venus retrograde because that's the kind of vibe i'm on and the last song in this album is desire this actually was a song that got me into this album because it was a song that was in my playlist that i was listening to on repeat and i love this song so much the whole thing about this song is she's accepting the fact that she might be wasting time kind of what i was saying at the top right she's accepting the fact that she might be wasting time but that's because she's living in her desire she's living in her own reality that feels very good to her and she also reiterates how it is easier quote unquote to be avoidant you know kind of following those patterns and letting yourself fall back into those habits of avoidance it's you know it makes sense why you would want to do that but is that actually what you want to do is that actually aligned with the life that you want for yourself and she just is like you know we need to live in the moment and you know if wasting time like it just yeah it's just like goes back to the whole thing i was talking about earlier like if wasting time is me learning how to love myself to know what i want to grow into a person who can advocate for themselves who is sexy and erotic then yeah i am gladly wasting my time also too something that she talks about in this uh, song too is how desire and the feeling of desire is actually stronger and greater than the feeling of avoidance and one of the biggest lessons that i've been learning this year is that desire is greater than avoidance and it's really scary because like i said and like she kind of talks about throughout the the album you know there's reasons for why you should there's reasons why somebody with an avoidant personality type would just stay in that avoidance and I'm when I'm speaking like this it's not because I'm sitting out here and saying I'm not completely avoidant like I still have those tendencies I'm working on them and there's reasons for why you would want to stay in that like very very valid reasons but once you expose those reasons and face the story which definitely is scary you start to be able to get in a place where you're like okay but am I genuinely happy in this and rewriting the kind of story that you tell yourself is very painful at first but then the new story that you're going to start telling yourself and not even really start telling yourself the new story that you're going to live within because it's actually true to you is going to feel way more supportive and the game becomes a lot more about refinement because at the end of the day you have it within you regardless of how life is unfolding for you right now like you have that desired reality and that desired that person who is living the ideal reality within you like you are her or you are him or you are them or you are life like i don't know i'm tired yo like i'm so tired (laughs) but all in all this album is very comforting to me it helps me feel very seen it helps me feel very hopeful and it keeps me it gets me excited to just keep going on this journey as a young adult and growing and everything and after the listening to this album i feel like i just need to go to the beach now and meditate and let the water like wash over me that's that's the like good feeling that i have about this album so definitely check out 
George Riley, Running in Waves. Definitely check her out. Released in 2022. And yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's that. Okay, we made it to the end. I had a great time recording this episode. And I love Quick Kids because I love that I can do kind of a little bit, um, a little bit of everything. And yeah, tell me how you guys feel about these Quick Hit episodes. Um feedback is always welcomed follow me on all my social medias musings with mona on instagram mona monet on tiktok and the like i'll put them all in my description box like i don't really like saying it at the end because i'm just like yo who cares like follow me if you want to but they'll always be in the description box so if you ever want to get more information about what i'm doing what i'm getting up to um yeah i'll i'll put them in the description box um the podcast is going to be coming out every thursdays um that's 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 a commitment that i'm making for myself so definitely check out this space every thursday and then on wednesdays it's going to be the blog posts so definitely check out my Substack, which i'll also put in the description box and then on mondays it's going to be the video diaries so check out the youtube channel also going to be in the description box and yeah, I'm really excited for what's coming up for me and what I'm cooking up. And um, wah. so everyone can go and enjoy the rest of your day. Um, go to sleep if you're listening to this at night. And yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Thank you for being here with me. I had a lot of fun. And I'll see you next Thursday. Bye-bye.